<laughs> Be yourself. You might not like that. <laughs> oh, reserve all dad jokes. Oh, no, I have no the, dad jokes. I have the authority to override any dad jokes <laughs> <laughs> prior to the display. <laughs> Just kidding. You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Him to Life. I hope you had a wonderful Father's Day, Dad. How was your Father's Day? My Father's Day was incredible, and then I get an invite to come on to your podcast. Look at that. Awesome. Look at that. Well, happy Father's Day, all. Dad, welcome to the podcast. Okay, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first off, I'd really like to thank you for inviting me. I was a little skeptical, you know, <laughs> and then you tell me to be myself, and I'm like, oh boy, I don't know if that's I don't a good know idea. That. Boy, okay, best <laughs> behavior here. Uh, so a little bit about myself, uh, born and raised out by Alexandria, South Dakota, farm, um, kid. farm kids, St. Mary's go Alec, um, married for 31 years to my wife, Gina, uh, three lovely kids that I'm so proud of. And I think all dads say that, but I truly am. Uh, first Evan and his girlfriend, uh, live down the street from us. So very blessed, uh, in that arena, uh, Alex, her middle daughter, uh, is with her husband, Cody over in Brandon. So, uh, very close there, uh, Got five grandchildren, uh, three what I call bonus grandchildren. Uh, our fur oldest two are bonus uh, kids yeah. from uh, Gina's first marriage. So uh, many years ago, and uh, it's been a, a really a truly blessing uh, for all the years. Uh, so anyway, getting on with uh, Cody and Alex, uh, they got Colin, Natalie, and our sweet little Avery. And then, of course, yourself and Matt, uh, who have uh, Claire and Maggie. So, the favorite. Uh, you can just go ahead and, and say that. <laughs> the, the, the favorite. <laughs> just kidding. But I will be I'll, I will be honest, you know, in, in a shout out to all the bonus dads out there, or I guess uh, adoptive dads, um, there's a lot to be said for the same love that I feel for you. I feel for those two. So yeah. uh, that's kind of an interesting overall view after yeah. 31 years yeah. and, and seeing all that. Yeah. A lot of listeners probably don't know. I have two siblings. And as you're saying, my half siblings. And I remember um, you telling me this story that mom, when you were uh, trying to get pregnant with me, said, you know, honey, I want you to have this experience. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you I remember this? I know exactly what you're talking about. Where you about. were saying, um, what was it that she wanted you to have this experience of having a child? Kind of the love of your own offspring, if yeah. you will. Uh, you know, a, a biological um, yeah. per se. And it was interesting, you know, you're young and adorable and um, toddling around. And I, I didn't really see a, a significant, I didn't see any difference uh, in the love that I felt for the first two or yourself. And, uh, but I think a lot of that was also um, my feelings of about when I got into marriage, I got in all in. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So these two siblings that I have, these two kids, they were yours through and through kind of thing. Yep, yeah. Right which, from the get-go. Yeah. I think mom's version of the story included a few tears. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel anything different. I love them all the same. Is there something wrong with me? Uh, okay. <laughs> I love um, it. I got to be in my manly man here yeah. today. Oh, sorry. Returning to yes. the manly man moment. Yes. Okay. So, Dad, I want to... So, this episode, we want to kind of talk about fatherhood. So, I thought, what better way to talk about fatherhood than then have my own experience 
of my father coming on the podcast. So this is like really, I know this is really fun because I get to kind of dive into maybe things that I don't necessarily know about you. Okay. One of the first things that I want to know, who are some of the men in your life that you have really looked up to and admired, particularly at different stages? Because I think that there's something to be said for, you know, as a little boy, as a as a young guy working on your farm, as an adult now, are there different men that have been impactful to you in shaping your view of what it means to be a man? Most certainly. To start with, how could you overlook your own father? Yeah. Um, I was very blessed, uh, to be honest with you, to have a great dad. Yeah. Uh, still do to this day. A really hands-on dad, A too. really hands-on dad, 81 years old, uh, going strong, and... In the early years, uh, you know, kudos to him for raising one daughter and yeah. five brothers. Yeah, uh, We were all angels, according to my mother now, but I think she has <laughs> selective memory. <laughs> for sure. For sure. We block out trauma. <laughs> but everything had to be done in, in mass. Uh, and I'm not talking really from the food on the, on the kitchen table, but really instruction as far as, you know, things that I look at with him was his integrity and honesty and and hard work ethic and all those type of things. But, you know, he was really the first one that uh, instilled in me, if mom isn't happy, isn't nobody happy? Ain't nobody happy. Ain't nobody happy. Yeah. And so from there on, it was that uh, silent observation, not wanting, and we'll get into that a little bit later on too, uh, as I stepped into son-in-laws. Yeah. Uh, ooh, that, that's going to be good. That's going right? to be good. I that's going to be good. That's going to be good. But, uh, he, he always stepped back and really watched and listened. And then, um, when you asked for his opinion, he always had that insightfulness, uh, because he I, was observant because he was observant and he wasn't caught up in the middle of it. And Gene and I always laugh. He was always the one that said, well, why don't you try it, but don't tear the whole wall down. As, as an example, yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe don't you know go too far overboard yeah. with a an adult yeah. uh, child or yeah. whatever it happens to be, and so that that of course is the first one, and then uh, instilled that gift of of uh, your talents. Uh, we were the first ones. The Hoffman boys were always there at St. Mary's for shoveling snow. We didn't know any different. It that was, was just, just the norm. It was just the norm. And so whether it was grandma's sidewalk or the church sidewalk or mowing the cemetery or whatever that happened to be, you just volunteered. Is that why you do snow removal for your entire neighborhood? It That's is. That's just what you do. It's just what you oh do. Oh my gosh. I feel like I just learned so much about you. Yep. And I don't even want to get into grave digging. Grave digging you were, was- You a, were a grave digger I at the cemetery? A, I was a grave digger. Uh, as, a, as a little kid. As a little kid, dad would take- uh, you along if it was an aunt that passed or whatever it happened to be. And it was the normal thing to do. And of course, uh, as the generations got a little more, you know, when you get 14 years old and you can jump in and out of a, you know, foxhole, if you will, and, and do the aggressive digging that needs to be done. It was you that kind of took on that torch and carried the carried it on. Not done today, of course, but uh, oh kind of dating, kind of dating myself here. That's fascinating. But see, that's getting into like the heart of just. Um, there's a normal thing about that. That's actually a very human thing that you kind of are part of this community, and as a family, you step up to do what needs to be done. Which I think, yeah, I just think that's really cool, actually. And not even to mention, you might get a sip of beer. Uh, at the end of the, of the, the <laughs> there was a little reward. And of course, you know, you can't ever <laughs> overlook uh, 
uh, potlucks. I, even in my business today, I have been known to totally rearrange my schedule to hit a potluck. <laughs> Just saying. It, it came at a very early age. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So I we could got... probably name the women at the, at St. Mary's that, <laughs> that could still you, do it today. Yeah, that you like really wanted to be at oh, their yeah. potlucks. Yeah, they're oh, still that's there. so funny. They're still there. Okay, so you had grandpa. What other What other men in your life? Three other ones that just come to my mind, and there is a raft of them that are what I would say work-related and and those type of things. But things that uh, are pertinent to family, uh, my Mm -hmm. father-in-law certainly was a big factor. He, I saw the respect he had from his children and admired that, and that he was always had those uh, their best interests in mind. May not have been able to give them a ton financially or anything else, but he he stood beside him. He was there. Uh, even through some of his faults, they saw the positives. Yeah. And then in more recent years, uh, uh, just a dear friend of ours, uh, Dave and Janie Munson, really taught me to uh, the confidence to talk about faith in public um, mm. and to be attentive. Because that wasn't something you really grew up with. No. That, yeah. Yeah. Kind of foreign. Yeah. Uh, kind of foreign. You know, baby, yeah. baby cradle-born Catholic and, uh, you know, certainly, you know, did our prayers at supper time and all those things, but, you know, out in public or anything like that, it just wasn't all that comfortable. But he really taught me uh, two things. Uh, number one, to have confidence in your faith and there's nothing wrong with demonstrating it. And then number two, uh, to really um, understand a little bit more uh, about myself where you can be a better person when you're around certain individuals Mm. and you can be not so good of a person if you're around certain individuals. So over the years, you try to navigate to people that make you a better person. Yeah. And Dave was kind of that for you. He's that guy. Yeah. Just raises the bar. Raises the bar. Do you think it's hard to be vulnerable with other men, like I'm just thinking of your relationship with Dave. Did that take some building of trust? Because I think something that's hard for a lot of men is to establish those type of friendships because it feels a little uncomfortable. It's like, okay, can we talk about these things or about our feelings or about what's kind of going on maybe on a deeper level in our hearts? Was it hard for you to get to that place or is it, you know, what helped build that relationship so that you could be vulnerable? extremely difficult in in my mind at least it was for me uh, but the more you let the guard down and I think all of us dads and men have certain friends that you can darn near share anything with mm-hmm. so once you get to that point and you establish that it's a good friendship and then you can really take that next step forward um, the men's group uh, Holy Spirit men's group another little shout out but I've been doing that for, I don't know, eight years or something, every Friday morning, 6 a.m. And those groups and the mingling of, of those groups and the small group conversations make you understand that you're not abnormal, that oh, yeah. you can talk about faith, that you can let your guard down, that you can say, you know, this is the the child that's on my heart, the prayer that I want to reach out to, and they get it mm-hmm. because they probably have the same difficulties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's to be in community with other people, and that's true of anybody, you know, but I think especially for men to have that shared experience, especially when you start getting into marriage and fatherhood. Um, I'd love to know for you, what has been maybe, I don't know if you can name it down to one, but biggest challenge of fatherhood for you? And maybe what's been the greatest joy besides me? 
Well, goes without saying you. <laughs> uh, the biggest just challenge kidding. is uh, I'm a fixer. And the biggest mm-hmm. challenge in fatherhood is just understanding that you cannot always fix stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's broke. Sometimes it's you think it's broke and God's got a different plan. He's got a different timeline. So those are the things, you know, I want to walk in and we're just going to make this all better. Yeah. You know, whether it's a kayak that you need for a friend or, oh, I'm going to just fix that. But there's also those things that you just can't fix. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pray on it, to mm-hmm. be quite blunt about it. And it's interesting how God has a plan and you look back on it and you're like, man, it's a good thing it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Oh, wow. Yeah, kind of the unanswered prayers. Unanswered prayers. Yeah, thank God for unanswered prayers. Have you ever heard that country song? Can we get song? into your dating wor- life? And, and <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> unanswered prayers thank there. God thank God for unanswered God. prayers. Oh, We're going to talk a little bit about that, folks, a little later on. Maybe <laughs> off so the record. Funny. Okay, what about the greatest joy? Um, greatest joy is is got to be the grandkids. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I'll break that into, you know, two different, uh, things, uh, the greatest reward and mm. the greatest joy. So uh, I'd like to talk about the reward first, the total reward for fatherhood in my humble opinion is the fact that you can see your children like we are today. I'm seeing you mm-hmm. in your own job, uh, Evan and Alex, the same way. And you see them as being just great human beings hmm. where they truly turned out okay, even though mom and I might have tr- everything. <laughs> mom and I might have tried our darndest to mess you up. Right? Yeah. So yeah, totally. to, to know that they're good people and that they're good human beings and that they're out contributing to society yeah. and they're still all, you know, on the right path. Uh, maybe not exactly the path that I, you know, would have chosen, but they're on that that good path. Uh, and then obviously the joy is uh, the grandkids and having you stop over. And the, uh, there's nothing better to me than when the grandchild knows exactly where the treat bucket is. And I mm-hmm. think all grandpas and grandmas will understand exactly <laughs> what I'm telling, talking about, yeah. where, you know, that group of grandkids that just knows your house inside and out, they know where they might be able to sleep overnight. They know exactly where the treat bucket is. That's just the best. Yeah. Okay. One thing I want to know, ever since I can remember... Uh, up until up until I got married or or maybe even engaged, you would take me and and you did this with Al with Alex too. You would take us on dates. I'm all the time, pretty regularly, at least at least a couple times a month. Where did that I where did that idea come from? To me, that was just normal. I mean, starting probably sixth uh, fifth sixth grade throughout junior high, throughout high school, throughout college. I mean, you came to St. Paul. You were traveling there for work, and almost every time, well, yeah, absolutely every time you were there, you would take me out to dinner or whatever. Where did how did that start? It where did ha- that come from in you? It had to have been somebody much smarter than myself that came up with the idea, and I ran with it. Probably your mom. <laughs> and, uh, and it, it was, it was such a, re- and you wouldn't believe how many 30 year old dads I've told that to. And they kind of look at me and father, daughter, date night. What, what's that about? And I said, Oh, you got to do it. Uh, so anyway, it was a great idea. We did it for decades and it was twofold. It was number one, when you're with mom and I, the conversations are different. Even are today. Yep. Pinterest. 
oh, I'm on that rug. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. G- I, girls typically, nat- <clears throat> they naturally gravitate towards them. They mom. naturally gravitate. So Often. what, what, it, always, what it was is it was, it was a great way to get a relationship with you and to really, I guess, maybe show you how I felt you should be treated so that when you dated, you didn't know any different. Mm. And throughout the dating years, the very first thing I would look at is, you know, but they're all nice young gentlemen. And, but let's face it, what's my standard saying? <laughs> guys are jerks. Every time I walked out the door, guys are jerks. And I'd say, Dad, but you're a guy. You say, I know, I'm a jerk. Jerk. <laughs> and so Emily and all of her friends and Alex and all of her friends knew that this was my standard line. Yeah. You know, guys are jerks. Uh, when uh, Katie got married, she said, off, remember, you know, yep. guys are jerks, guys but, are... I found, but I found one. Yeah. I found, you know, I found the right one. So anyway, fast forward, it gave you and I a great relationship uh, to build upon. And I, I remember to, the, to this day, I was taking Emily out on a father-daughter date and we headed downtown and we were going to stop. You were legal age at this point. Yeah. Remember, remember this story? Did we go to the cigar bar? We, we, went, to the, we went to the bar and <laughs> I walk up like I'm going to order, you know, a couple of drinks and maybe one cigar to share. And Emily steps up and says, dad, if you ever had da, 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 I'll order just two of them. And oh, by the way, we tried a cigar in St. Thomas. <laughs> I think you'll like it. And I step back and I'm like, what happened to my little daughter? Oh, my land. So, oh my gosh. So it really uh, did a, a twofold deal uh, relationship and then obviously being treated like a princess, which yeah. was part of my, uh, my father talk at your wedding. And then uh, obviously uh, I would, and still do to this day, I scrutinize boyfriends. I don't care whose they are and whether they open the door, whether they show any chivalry. Um, we're out on the river and this young lady, very nice young lady comes in with a boyfriend and this other dad and I are sitting there having with, supper with uh, our wives. And you're and, scrutinizing the boyfriend? And I look over and I look at Doug and I say, that guy is a loser and she needs to ditch him. And immediately this other dad picks up on it and is just like, oh, absolutely. Seriously. Seriously. If I knew that young lady's dad, I would have called and told him to get rid, of, get rid of that jerk. Oh, man. Uh, I, See, this is this I feel is like I'm an old guy and have... Well, you kind of are. You kind of are. So I think you can you can just start owning that and claiming it out for yourself. Blurt out my opinions. But see, this is interesting because I think men can call that out in a way that other people can't. And you being able to say that. And there were people that came into my life over the years that in a very tender, gentle way, you would say, and and what you would always tell me is, I'm Mary Wright, Mm -hmm. Mary Wright. And I just remember that. And when I met Matt, I was like, this is what marrying Wright Mm -hmm. looks like. Marrying a really incredible, wonderful man. But one little caveat here, when Gina would tell Emily, Mary Wright, why did it always seem like it took a different context that when dad said it, when I said it was like, wow, geez, dad, you know, he's, you know, da, 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 and he's a nice guy and, you know, we're just friends. And I was like, about ready to puke, you know, (laughs) guys don't have a thing such as a friend that is a female. I'm just here to tell you. Well, and it's interesting because I wonder if that's the response you got, but what was happening? Very true. You know what I mean? It's like there's, because I remember that. You would roll your eyes. 10 years, but I still still remember it because, and I don't remember mom ever saying that to me, though she probably said it all the time. You know, there's just something that we receive, I think, from our dads in a particular way. So dads out there, listen to that. They are listening, whether they 
Yeah. Whether yeah. you think they are or yeah. not. Yeah. Your girls are listening. Mm, your, your girls kids are, are listening. listening. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk a little bit. We, we just mentioned Matt and, and um, I want to talk about your relationship with your father-in-law and how you also relate to your son-in-laws because um, I think it's, there's something really special about it. Um, I know I'm biased because it's, you know, my experience, but when I talk to a lot of people and, and whatever, when I talk about the relationship that you have with Matt, how you kind of approach Matt, um, and even how you approached grandpa Pips, um, your father-in-law, there's, there's something really particular. Yeah. I think you always, uh, you want to be approved by your father-in-law because mm-hmm. they do have a connection to the woman you're married to and and those kind of things and and it's interesting how that developed over the years and and really became friends and you know did a lot of things together and uh always enjoyed going up uh, to Woonsocket and and visiting with them and and all those kind of things uh, then you step in and this is where it's going to get good, right? We get to talk about the son-in-laws? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, you've been waiting for this moment. Oh, can, can I be honest? Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Um, Remember, they listen. <laughs> can we just not send it to them? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate with the two son-in-laws I have. Unbelievably talented individuals. Cody, uh, with his strengths and his discipline and his organization and... Uh, the talents that he has. And just to do a little shout out, he has also taken on that bonus dad role mm-hmm. of which I've, I've got a soft spot. Yeah. It, it's part of society. I don't know if I agree with it, but it, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, Gene and I went through the annulment process 31 years later, love of my life. Uh, Cody is taking on that uh, and and I've already mm-hmm. told you about the the fondness I have of being a bonus dad. I mm-hmm. I have no reservations about that at all. Uh, and then he's taking on that role. Yeah. Um, to your Matt, um, I guess for those that are on the on the call here and, and don't realize it, what else can you say when he is Joseph and Mary's son? <laughs> yes, parents are literally Mary and Joseph. So his parents are literally Mary and Joseph, and I'm like. <laughs> Early on, I'm like, okay, I got to get to the bottom of this guy. He can't be as good as he appears. And uh, he certainly was. And, you know, our bachelor uh, party. Yeah, uh, you went to his bachelor party. I went to his bachelor party. So did his father. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, there, you know, this men's group that he's in has got to be kind of a sketch group. You know, they they get together. And and <laughs> so I, and only to find out that they're the greatest group of uh, you mentioned it earlier, community. Yeah. Uh, when when I was growing up, community meant you know the guys that you went down and had a beer with and or after work or whatever that happens to be. Matt took community and and really took um, fatherhood seriously as God's calling. And by that I mean he is the utmost fatherly figure. But uh, aside from that. What he does in community with his men's group and volunteering and and that community is part of his his Catholic faith. Uh, so uh, I think myself as a father-in-law, I didn't even tip the Richter scale, and the two that I've got have really taken that to the next level. That's just my my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah. Well, I think it's difficult for a lot of. Young women. And I feel like because I had a close relationship with you leading up to the day I got married and still have a close relationship with you, 
I think that could have posed a threat to Matt. I think that could have, and, and, and I've experienced this with a lot of my girlfriends where there's this transition when they get married of, okay, my car broke down. Who do I call? Mm -hmm. Because normally I call my dad. Now I feel like I need to call my husband, but is my husband going to be able to do it? Right. This is a really Mm -hmm. common experience for Mm -hmm. a lot of young women. And, and I feel like there were times where I was maybe tempted, but I feel like you, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but I feel like you put up boundaries that didn't allow me to do that. You constantly, you know, especially in that maybe first year of marriage. And we had a doozy of a first year of marriage. Matt, remember Matt, we thought had leukemia for a month. He was so sick. I was so sick. Um, but you kind of constantly put, pushed me back to Matt and, or, or I don't even know that I came to you, I guess, but, but it's because you put up a boundary there and maybe it's that you just intentionally built the relationship with Matt. If something, if you wanted to fix something on the house, you didn't call me, you called Matt. Is that what, is that what the difference is? That's exactly, you know, in my opinion, it wasn't about me pushing at all, but it was getting the comfort level that, because, you know, I gained a son, you know, in essence, you know, son-in-law, but son, good friend, uh, great guy. And so early on you start doing different projects and then pretty soon it gets really, um, fun that he can call and say, oh, by the way, you know, I put in that electrical outlet like you, we did over at the other house and it worked fabulous. Or, hey, my buddy's got this deal going on. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And so it really is generational. So it's just like what I used to do with my dad, you know, hey, what do you think about this? And he would give that insight. Well, then now Matt is getting that from Joe and I Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. his home and you know, in my standard line, homeownership is highly overrated when <laughs> yeah. stuff goes wrong and the basement's <laughs> flooded and all those yeah, stuff. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think I, I just, I love that. And I think it's been really moving to me and I see it in Matt and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, but he would articulate similarly, um, a respect that he has for you and a comfort level level that he has with you. Um, because I think probably at the beginning, it's the same thing. Like you want to win your res- the respect of your father-in-law. And I think that's an experience for hopefully an experience for every man getting married. Um, and, but yeah, to see him have this great admiration of you and, and you actually in return as well, sharing this common thing is just, I don't know. It's just yeah. very cool. It's a very unique thing. And maybe being a bonus dad, you get a little bit of a, a jump start on a lot of married couples where, you know, they just get married and they have to win over the, you know, the, the uh, father-in-law uh, where, you know, I step in and do not want to take anything away from Matt's dad, yeah. uh, so, you know, fantastic, has, has actually gotten to be a very good friend yeah. uh, through your marriage and, and whatnot. And we do different things together and all those good things. But you you give him the ability to have just that bonus dad that maybe a, this project is more directed toward real dad. This yeah. project's more this directed more to bonus, bonus dad. Is, yeah. And then getting together on him as a project, mm-hmm. uh, L3. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I think you and Joe have both set up such a beautiful uh, dynamic. And 
And I'm really grateful because there's this, I don't ever feel a competition Mm -hmm. where I think a lot of young women are kind of like, oh, this is my dad. This is my husband. Which one do I go to? It's like, nope, I go to my husband and my dad actually goes to my husband too. You know, that there's a support there. It's a great thing when you can actually gain a husband, gain your husband's family, and then the two families gain each other. Yeah, yeah. It don't get any better than that. And yeah. and sometimes it takes work. Sometimes it just doesn't work because of personality clashes and all that. I'm not here to sprinkle voodoo dust, but we got very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, last question. Do you feel like you'll ever be done fathering? Do you feel like you're done fathering now? No. Um, I actually hope I'm never done fathering. Really? Um, yeah. Because I, I, I think it changes over the years. Uh, it goes from, you know, you being under the roof to being more of an advisor, if you will, or more yeah. of a, a confidant, a counselor, uh, or whatever, counselor yeah. uh, you know, where now you take a step back and, um, you know, if it's a project on your house, the beauty is I can go over work on it and then I can go leave. <laughs> and then right? you can go home <laughs> and, go, and not have go, to worry about it. Not have to worry it. about it. Oh, I guess that's their problem. But, um, <laughs> but if I, I've always felt myself as a lifelong learner and I think you, I, I think any dad would say what you know at, two years of age, which is Claire and Maggie, and what you know at teenager and what you know at young uh, adulthood is totally different. And I think some of it's patience. I think some of it's maturity. I think some of it's financial stability. There's all those factors that make you a different dad when you're later in life than when you were at probably the most impressionable years. Do you feel like you would do things differently knowing now what you know? It begs to be considered, yeah. but at the time, that's a hard question. It's a hard question. You're looking at it through a more mature father's yeah. view, and you know you don't have the energy that you did back in in the day. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. Um, it'd be an interesting yeah. world. It'd be an yeah. interesting. There's obviously things I would do different. There's turns in the road that if you knew today you wouldn't go down, Hmm. whatever it happens to be, Um, you know, some of those, but there are also some of those things that were all part of growing up and learning about life and faith and all those things. Yeah. Well, and I, um, I can't help, but just call to mind that story that you shared about us going and ordering drinks and cigars downtown, (laughs) by the way, don't smoke. It's not good for you. Um, Please don't condone this. Don't take your father or your, uh, don't take your father out for drinks and cigars. Yeah. Don't take your father (laughs) out. Um, but I remember that conversation actually being a healing conversation for Mm. us where we were looking back at experiences that I had. Um, and just processing those together and having a really honest conversation about, man, we would have yeah. done things differently. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, there's, I just feel like that needs to be said because that's so much part of the parenting process is you're going to mess up. You're going to mess because up. Because you're human, you're going to mess up. But am I going to open the door? Am I going to take my college daughter out for a cigar so that we can have the conversation to say, Hey, I'm sorry. And yep. I'm sorry yep. for the ways that we messed up kind of thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. there, there's never an instruction manual with anyone. Yeah. You know, I've I never seen they'd send me home with uh, one from the you, hospital. You'd but... always think of era would uh, send one home with yeah. you, but they, they just don't. <laughs> yeah. And so there are those mess ups, but uh, saying I'm sorry was, you're right. Yeah. It, it was a great healing. It was a great evening. Uh, yeah. Um, and, 
and that I don't know if that was midway through your college years or whatever, yeah, but uh, I was very fortunate to travel to yep. Minneapolis during those years, and it just could not have been a more rewarding experience all the way around. Yeah, not yeah. only your education yeah. and then getting back, and who would have thought? You know, you would make it back here. I, I was, know. I was confident that you know I'd she had her, she had her girlfriend, she had her wine dinners <laughs> up in Minneapolis, and all of a sudden it's like I did a FaceTime interview, and I'm like, what the heck's a FaceTime interview? <laughs> What's a FaceTime interview? Oh my gosh. Okay, Dad. Last question. Every guest that I have on, I want to know if there is a question that you have been pondering, something that you've been thinking about. I think it's through asking questions of ourselves, of our family, of the people around us that we can learn more about who we are and about the world we live in, in which we live. So is there a question that you have been thinking about lately? Think about it every day. Um, And it's probably the question that a lot of Catholic dads and moms think about. Um, It's part of society. Um, A lot of our children are not attending mass or not actively practicing Catholics. And I I always ask the question, why? You know, mm-hmm. was it something, something, there's lots of uh, obstacles mm-hmm. to follow your faith. Totally admit all that. But having grown up and understanding, or at least we think understanding, the appropriate uh, way of the Catholic faith, why are so many leaving? Why are so many just non-practicing? Yeah, yeah. It's a big question. If, uh, yeah. if that could be answered, I think dads across the land would all stand up and cheer. Yeah. Amen. Well, dad, thanks so much for coming and spending, spending the day with me, spending a little bit of time with me. Friends, I hope that this episode will bless you. will get you thinking about maybe your own dad. Um, or if you are a dad, get you thinking about your role as a father. Uh, I just want to really give a special shout out to all dads in honor of this father's day uh, in great gratitude for the essential, uh, and deeply, important role that you play in the world and your family uh, and in culture at large. So we're praying for you. Thank you so much for joining. Share this episode with a friend and we'll see you next time. Love you and thank you for making me such a great dad. Oh, dad. Dad.